Hello everyone. This is the Grown Up Girls Report Book Club. We are back. It's been two weeks and I am so excited to be here with a very old friend of mine. In, in terms of the friendship, yes, very young in terms of spirit. <laughs> Absolutely. Incredibly young, actually. Incredibly young. The gorgeous Kate Walker, who you haven't met before, people. So welcome, Kate. Thank you, darling. Lovely to be here. Oh, it's so <laughs> nice to be here. Now, Kate and I are recording a little bit later in the day than we normally do, than I normally do. And as a result of that, we have wine. Why not? Why not? Why not? Which is, I think, an essential ingredient for book clubs. So I have a tea and a wine on the go. So it promises to be quite the lively discussion. <laughs> so we are going to be talking today about a book which Kate recommended. This was your idea, my friend. Mm -hmm. A Gentleman in Moscow by Amor Taos. Mm. And also, Camilla, Duchess of Cornwall, this was her favourite ISO read, Kate. I had no idea. Didn't you? There you go. Oh, and Obama loved it. Bill Gates and Melinda, two thumbs up. It's yep. come with very, very, very big endorsements. So we are so excited to be talking to you about this today. And we haven't spoken about it before. We're going to keep all of our special chats for, for the podcast. So, Kate, why, why this book? Why did it pique your interest? It was recommended to me by a friend and uh, I purchased it and I started it and I struggled. I struggled oh. with the first little bit thinking, where is this going? Oh, good. And it's heavily descriptive. Oh, and good. It's normally not my cup of tea. No. Um, Makes me feel better you're saying yes, that. Yes, no, I know. Good. And, and then my friend said to me, no, no, Kate, just persist with it. I promise you, you'll love it. And I thought to myself, okay, and I trusted my friend. I yeah, thought, yeah. okay, good. Okay, I will. And she was right. Yeah. I really, really, really loved it. And I've recommended it to quite a few people. It's just, and this was published, I think, in 2016. 2016, yep. Yeah. So pre-COVID. Yes. Um, but how ironic. Oh, I just think. The relevance it is, is incredible. I so read. Absolutely. I really think it is. Not that I read it then. I read it probably um, 2018, maybe 2017. Um, and I just, I just love the language. I think it's a beautifully constructed book, mm. beautifully written, beautifully mm. executed uh, if you love the English language, oh. this is a great book for you. It really is just, it's a, it's a work of art. It's a beautiful it is, book. It'll be a classic. As I said to one of my boys today, you need to read this. This is going to be, this will be a classic. I hope so. It I, absolutely I hope the be. schools will pick it up as mm. a book because it's a, it's a great novel for kids to read, I think. For a variety it's, of reasons, which is. we'll get into. But yeah. no, it's it's, it's actually yeah. quite outstanding. But yeah. I, I am glad you said that, Kate, because I, I only started to read it a few days ago and I was, I nearly gave up. I'll be honest, I, a couple of times I'm thinking, oh, Kate, what have, what have you done to me, Kate? This is, is it just me? Is it too slow moving? Is this because I'm out of control? Is my life going too fast? But anyway, it was worth sticking with. I think the first 200 pages were the, the descriptive bits, but then you realise why he has spent all that time mm. on the descriptions because it all comes together. But when it was released in 2016, it was Amazon Book of the Year, um, Sunday Times Book of the Year in 2017. There are so many awards I would spend 20 minutes going through them all, but it's um, Irish Times Book of the Year 2017, nominated for the 2018 Independent Booksellers Week Award and the Book of the Decade, which is a pretty, pretty damn fine uh, endorsement, translated into 20 languages, and it's still on the New York Times bestseller list, mm. which is pretty incredible. Yeah, it is. It's it incredible, is. absolutely, yeah. and so relevant for pandemic life. It's just it's a very, I suppose the term's luscious. It's a luscious read. It's, it's a, a rich, it's a rich read. read. It's a sensory read. It is. It, it yes. really is. And it's just such a, it's delicious. Like it it's is a really, delicious. It's something to devour yeah. and enjoy and savour and take your time over yeah. it. And I feel sorry for you. I know you had to 
you know, read it quickly um, because it's a sort of book that needs time. I it think. does need time, actually. Yeah. Mm. yeah, like a good red wine. Absolutely. Yes, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So what's it about? What's it about? Well, look, I'm going to start because I normally give this job to my, to my guest and that's not, I've decided that's actually quite mean. So I'm going to start and you, you add on, correct me. Sure. So the book opens at a, at a Bolshevik tribunal in 1922 where this 30-year-old aristocrat, Count Alexander Rostov, yep, he, he and he he was very highly prized under the Tsars. Um, he was a recipient of many awards, but he wrote this poem called "Where Is It Now?" when he was a younger man that was very popular with the revolutionary generation. It was very much a call to arms, and basically the Bolsheviks didn't like it, um, and they really didn't quite know what to do with him. They would have loved to condemn him to death, but he had friends in in high places, so. I suppose the, the, the plan B was let's put him under house arrest. So he was quite quickly sent off to the Hotel Metropole for the rest of his days to, to, to stay inside the hotel. So he's marched out of the Kremlin across Red Square into the Metropole. And he was actually previously a resident of the Metropole and he had this beautiful suite, I think it was 317 mm. from memory. But um, when he arrived back in the Metropole, he was quickly uh, escorted back up into the dusty old, very small attic. So uh, this, this, and this all occurs whilst Russia is undergoing decades of tumultuous upheaval, mostly under the rule of Stalin. So it's, um, it's, it's quite the read. And in fact, he actually ends up spending 32 years, Kate. Yes. yes. In the hotel. Yeah. Yeah, it's fascinating. And you really think to yourself, how could you write a book about somebody who is effectively a prisoner in a hotel for 32 years? Absolutely. 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 I know. I know. But he does. And more does. does. And let's talk about him more because he's so intriguing. Yes, he is. So I discovered, Kate, that he actually was a big, he was a big deal on Wall Street, Mm. a very big deal on Wall Street, and possibly now has the luxury of being a writer as a result of that. But (laughs) um, he claims he always wanted to be a writer right, right from the first grade. And did you probably in your deep dive, did you find out where the idea for the book came from? I think he, he had visited multiple Yes. Luxurious hotels in his life yes. as a financier. And I think he was in Hungary or somewhere. He wasn't in the Metropolitan. Geneva, I think. Geneva, it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when the idea came to him about, um, you know, creating a story around people for whom this is a. a and it's some sort of existence about yeah. uh, living people living in in, in such places, um, and uh, but he had been to the Metropole Hotel. Hotel yes, Metropole. yes, absolutely. Um, so and then I think he was a bit of a, a Russianophile. So he he had uh, you know always had an interest in Russia. Had visited a few times. Had never really studied uh, Russian, however, um, but uh, felt it would be a, a good setting, I suppose, mm. especially post-revolutionary Russia for the book. Absolutely. So, and yeah. I didn't realise, Kate, that for hundreds of years in Russia, the whole concept of house arrest has been quite commonly dished out as a punishment. Yes. I didn't have any idea about yeah. that. So, yes. Yeah, it's, so, it's, it's a really Russian thing, apparently. Yes. So I, so I read too. Yes. yes so that was actually really interesting. Mm. And um, I thought it was quite hilarious. Um, what I read, I was doing quite a deep dive on on, on, on Amor. Um, he said that, I've heard that story as well, he walked into this hotel lobby in Geneva and he said he actually eyeballed about four people that he saw when he was in his visit there the year before, that he, these people must just live in hotels. Mm. So, so it, um, it piqued his interest. And now this is his second book. So yes. he's written another book. Have you read it, The Rules of Civility? No, I haven't. But all I know is that that book takes place over one year. It does. In New York City, I mm-hmm. believe. Yes. Um, and it's a, it's a, the protagonist is a woman. Yes. Um, so I haven't read it, um, but I know um, he does. He's been interviewed, obviously, and does refer to it. Uh, and this book, by all accounts, is, is, is similar in many ways, but also obviously very different because yeah. it takes place over such a long period of time. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. I think that might be worth ordering, I've decided. 
excited because yes. and actually get that, that gets great reviews as well. Oh, actually, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. and it's interesting because um supposedly she is from a working class background and she's trying to climb the the, the the sort of the social and economic ladder in Manhattan. Where I suppose you know this book is very contrasting in that respect. Opposite. It's the complete opposite. Mm-hmm. You know, he had this wonderful aristocratic life and. Life's changed pretty damn quickly living in an attic. Very much so. Mm. He becomes what's called a, a former person. Indeed, yes. Mm. That is the perfect mm. expression, the perfect expression. And um, and in one interview I um, I saw there, he was asked, you know, what what actually can you, what is from your life? What have you gleaned from your life? And um, there's this gorgeous game that he plays with a young girl. Now, no spoilers will be given away. So so if you haven't read it, please keep listening, um, called The Thimble Game. Mm. You may remember yes, that. Yes, Kate. yes, It's yes. a gorgeous game. Um, and he plays with a young girl, during the book um, and um, in fact that was a game his great grandmother used to play with him mm. so that was cute I thought mm. she'd welcome the great grandmother would welcome them, welcome them into the sitting room and um, she said he said that after the appropriate amount of polite conversation she would inform us that she had several thimbles hidden in the room and whoever found one would receive a dollar and so they uh, scurried around madly trying to uh, trying to make some cash but this hotel metropole Kate it's real it's a real hotel. It exists. Yes, yes. I believe it was built um, at the turn of the 19th, 20th century, okay. so early 1900s, okay. uh, I believe. In And it's as you say, it's right in the centre yeah. of uh, Moscow, um, across the road from the Kremlin, near the Bolshoi Ballet. Yes. Um, it still stands today. Uh, and many uh, famous people have passed through its doors. And I, yeah. and I believe it uh, certainly was throughout the whole you know, Soviet Soviet era, uh, a place where uh, international visitors stayed, uh, politicians stayed, and as we see in the book, uh, the uh, Russian what do you call it? parliament, not the parliament. Well, Kate, the there's Russian a lot, government. The Russian government, yes. Has there are a lot of different there. acronyms they use yes. to describe themselves. Yes, so, that's yes, right. yes, 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 yes. So that's quite fascinating. Um, so, look, you know, I think if you're anyone in power in Russia with influence, the ambassadors, yes. the diplomats, the um, travelling artists and uh, famous movie stars, they all stayed. At the Metropole, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Kate, I did a little bit of uh, work on Booking.com because I thought, you know what, post-COVID, Kate, perhaps we should go. We need to have a dream. <laughs> so, and I was quite delighted to see, Kate, and I just picked January out of randomly, 320 bucks a night. And it's quite the gorgeous room with a view of the Bolshoi Ballet. Nice. doesn't include breakfast, but, you know, it's uh, yes. still very doable. And it gets a nine on Booking.com, just FYI. Just as well. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I thought that was actually um, really, really good buying, actually. Um, so, yes, yeah, so American, I think American author John Steinbeck visited. Yes, yes. And there's all of these amazing historic accounts. So if you want to do a deep dive on that, um, on his website, Immortals, he's got his own website and he's got, it links to fabulous historical accounts of, of the hotel and who stayed there. So um, that would be absolutely worth doing. But, you know, Kate, what we, who we have to talk about is this gorgeous man, the gorgeous Count. Yes. What a darling, gorgeous, he gracious is. gentleman. He is. I fell in love with him. He's, he's from a bygone era. Indeed. Where gentlemen were gentlemen. Absolutely. Um, but he was so, uh, you know, a man of um, ex- fabulous education, polish, um, a true aristocrat in every way, um, Somebody, and I read one of the reviews to sort of say that he, he could almost come across as insufferable because he was good at everything. Absolutely. You know, he knew the perfect wine to serve exactly. with every dish. Uh, he knew how to, to, to converse in multiple languages. Indeed. Um, he knew great literary figures. and uh, His knowledge you know, of music and Chopin and Tchaikovsky was extraordinary. Everything. Yeah. And he's a poet. You Indeed. Know, he's he's everything. a very learned man in lots of ways. Um, and a man for whom, um, you know, he, he was literally one of the leisure classes. Mm. You know, somebody for whom... Uh, a day was, you know, structured so that they could, you know, spend their time in the idle hour mm. and all these lovely 
pursuits of, yes. of, of really intellectual pursuits really lovely things you yes, know how, yes. how, how lovely what a lovely life <laughs> and um he does seem a bit he could come across as very insufferable however he's so human yeah and he's so likable and that's Absolutely. the magic of it actually he's a really delightful character yep. um and the humour in this book. The humour. I chuckled and chuckled so and chuckled. Right. In fact, that humour is what helped me get through those first 200 pages. I agree. You know? I agree. And, he has, and, he, and quite often he's the butt of his own jokes. Yes. Which I love. And that's it's what made very, me warm to him. It's very wry. It's very dry. Yeah. But it's very, um, it's charming and it's witty. Yes. And it's um, self-deprecating to a degree. But it, it's beautiful. I go, really, the humour is, is it's a bit dark too. Yeah. Yeah. No, um, it can be. And uh, let's face it, Russia mm. during that time. Oh, absolutely. dark things happened. Um, mm. So... But it's fascinating because he is not, he's simply, I suppose, observing a lot of it because mm. of his circumstance. He yes. can't be part of it. So he's no. simply the observer. And it's written in the third person. So it's all, it's, you know, predominantly, of course, his account of, of his experience. And really, the world changes around him. It does. And before his eyes. Absolutely. Um, but he is the optimist, isn't he? Very much so. He is just, I don't think I've actually met an, a, a, a better character that displays optimism it's quite incredible um because it is said as you said post-russian revolutions in this stalinist era where there's a lot of there's a lot of bad news <laughs> let's be honest there's famines there's upheaval there are it's just horrendous there's world war ii mm. but somehow that very dark period in russian history it doesn't overwhelm the story no not at all no it's sort of dealt with with sort of a bit of light touch almost don't you think, well, think the way a, Amor a, deals with it yeah um and it's not the main thrust of the story but but i think that's also because we're seeing it through the the lens of the count who's this optimist he he is he really he, is the eternal optimist i think one, one lovely um phrase i think from the book he says at the start of one chapter let us concede that the early 30s in russia were unkind <laughs> that says it all doesn't it just like, yeah, okay yeah yeah that says it all that says it all but this but this beautiful optimism which i love so much is tempered so cleverly i think um so immortals uses these clever footnotes Yes, he does. Yes, yes, which almost creates that more realistic, slightly negative, depending on where you sit on the political spectrum, lens on what's actually yeah, happening absolutely. in Russia, yeah. which I think was really clever. Mm. I don't normally like a footnote. I normally find them annoying. I, I personally like them, but um, he uses them fairly sparingly. There yes. wasn't too much of yes, it. Yes, I agree. And I think when they showed up, they were actually quite useful. They were very useful. They were yeah. very useful. And I think he starts the footnotes before we introduce to some of the other characters, mm. for example, Mishka, and then mm. when perhaps Nina gets a little older, and we'll talk about these characters a little bit longer, um, because they almost bring in a flavour of what's going on outside the hotel. But yes. the footnotes initially start that job. And I thought that was such a clever device. Mm, I thought he did a really so. good really very good job so. doing that. Um, so, uh, so, yeah, so, so he is the absolute optimist. Um, but, but let's talk about... About Mishka. So Mishka is this wonderful character. He's a very old friend mm. of, of Alexander's. I feel a bit rude calling him Alexander the Count, Count Rostov. I feel like he deserves a little bit more respect than that. Um, but anyway, um, Mishka is this incredible, incredibly long-standing friend who's a poet, yes, intellectual. And he's very passionate and very caught up in the plight of, um, I suppose, uh, the peasants and the working class, and feels very strongly about what's going on. You could argue he was a bit of ahead of his time when he had some of these thoughts, perhaps earlier on, and. I'll just leave that comment there because mm. I don't want to give any spoilers away. Mm. Um, but um, their, their relationship was quite beautiful. Very much so. Very yeah. much so. Beautiful, long, long-standing friendship. Yeah. Um, and, of course, um, you know, he, he's a man of wor great words, obviously, being Indeed. a poet. Um, and, in fact, the incident that surprised me, so uh, one part of the book, and it's not a spoiler alert, mm. um, but there are some letters, um, Chekhov, the writer, yes. um, had written some letters. And in real life, Immortals had, had come across... Chekhov's letters um, in a library. Yep. When he was uh, before, well, a decade before he'd undertaken 
writing this book. And uh, he just happened to sort of go to the back of the filing cabinet and pulled out some of these letters, um, copies of letters, I'm assuming. And uh, he had uh, came across the uh, uh, letter around that Chekhov had written from Berlin mm -hmm. towards the end of his life, mm -hmm. which uh, basically was sort of saying, um, you know, if you, ha you haven't lived, if you haven't travelled, if you haven't travelled, you know, if you haven't tasted bread like bread. the Germans, if you haven't tasted bread like the Germans make, um, you know, then uh, then you haven't lived effectively. So, of course, Mishka in the book is posed with writing or translating or, Indeed. Um, you know, dissecting Chekhov's letters and republishing them. Mm. Uh, and he does it faithfully to the yes. letter um, as Chekhov intended. And, of course, uh, not unsurprisingly, that offended the Bolsheviks. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot of... You know, tragedy in this mm, book. There is um, a lot of tragedy. And, and also pointlessness. I mean, you sort of see like the incident with, with the wine. Mm. <laughs> with the wine when, when yeah, the labels let's, let's on all the bottles about that. of wine. Absolutely. What yeah. a fabulous. It's, it's I loved hilarious. it, actually. I love that. I love that. And actually in an interview I, I saw he was asked whether that was actually, you know, mm. you know, we found that in historical documents. He said, no, I just made it up. He said, because I just thought it just, it so clearly just, you know, emphasised and explained, I suppose, the, just the ridiculousness of some of these Bolshevik suggestions. You Absolutely. Know, the purposelessness, purposelessness of it all. Yeah. I, I agree. Crazy I agree. Stuff. And it was just... um. Yeah. So what they did is, or so what they did is, in the hotel, they decided to actually take all the labels off all the all the wine, and so that you would either get to choose a white or a red with your dinner, as opposed to being able to choose the vintage and the more deluxe or exclusive bottles of wine yeah, because the, they didn't the want the chateau to... nerfed the pub exactly right. <laughs> so you know, and I think it was to get back at, at uh, Count. Oh, indeed, Rostov, it was to get back at Alexander indeed because it was. he uh, he showed up. He the, did um, the waiter. Yes. And, so uh, there there are some characters that we call the the bishops. And yes. the bishop was the waiter, who um, does play quite the role in. Mm -hmm. In the book mm. um, so watch out for him when you start to read but uh, he is uh, quite interesting so there was something else actually if we talk about Mishka and Alexander so there's this scene maybe uh, maybe two-thirds of the way through the book where Alexander is at the bar and he's in this conversation I think with some foreign journalists yes. yes that are staying and they have this discussion about what Russia has contributed to the West now I love this name three things yeah name three <laughs> things that Russia has contributed to the West and so Alexander uh, the count rather I want to call him the count the count quickly pipes in and he has it's almost like he has it pre-arranged and so he says Chekhov Chekhov and Tolstoy Chekhov because he's the perfect writer of the short form Tolstoy the long form the nutcracker I mean who doesn't love the nutcracker at Christmas what a gift that is. And then caviar, you know, caviar. But then he relays this story to Mishka and then Mishka, he's the deep thinker, comes back to him later, which really puts the count into quite the, the, the deep sort of thought dive um, because Mishka says, I think what else we need to add to that, he said, is that, you know, Russians are very adept at destroying what they've made, Absolutely. you know. Mm. And, for example, and I think this is the most brilliant example of it, so for example, when Napoleon sees Moscow yes. and he installed himself in the Kremlin yes. um, and, you know, he thought it was all good, the deal was done, <laughs> he was in charge, it was all good. But then he was woken up at 2 o'clock in the morning because all the citizens had set Moscow on light because exactly. they would much rather destroy the city than let him have it. Precisely. Yeah. And the same with the Kazan Cathedral. Yes. They also talk about in the book exactly. as well. And uh, apparently this Kazan Cathedral had stood for hundreds and hundreds of years uh, adjacent to Red Square, yep. uh, the centre, I think, of, you know, probably, you know, orthodox Christianity maybe in Russia. I'm not yeah. sure about that, but, you know, certainly a very revered uh, place symbolic, yep. in, in Russia. And I think uh, on its 300th anniversary, I think it was, the Bolsheviks decided to celebrate by by destroying it. No. <laughs> but thankfully, in re in reality, and I read an interview with um, Amortals, he said the uh, the an architectural student had actually um, uh, had spent some time surveying it 
and drawing plans. Oh, thank of goodness. It and had um, saved the plans. And so I believe the cathedral has now been rebuilt. Oh, okay, good, in, good. In post-Soviet Russia. Oh, yes. I'm pleased to so know that. We can, we can visit on Yes, on our wonderful <laughs> trip. It'll be $310 a night. That'll be fabulous. It'll be fabulous. And so, and so they were making the point, and it made me really question it as well, you know, is there something unusually fierce and patriotic in the Russian spirit? You know, that, and, and was that as a result of the communist era? Did the, 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 the period of communism you know, bring that out in, in their people and make that in depth part of their culture. It's just quite interesting. I think they have a very, very, very long, very tragic, very deeply violent history. Deeply violent, um, Kate. And because of huge inequity, yes. I, I would think. Um, I read years ago, actually, this is slightly off topic, but I did read this fantastic book and talk about a weighty tome. If you think that this book's weighty, <laughs> this other book I read, and I chose to read it because I was disinterested. Yeah, what um, was that It's book? The Romanovs. Oh, yes. But it's by Sebastian Seberg, Seberg uh, Montefiore. I actually have that. Do you? It's a really yes, I haven't read, read it. It's quite, it's quite thick. quite thick. Yes. Talk about footnotes. Yeah, there right. Okay. footnotes on every page. Um, it took me a while to read it, but I really enjoyed it. But I have to say the it went back all through the czars. Yeah. Bloodthirsty is the word that comes to mind. Right. Um, Yes, yeah. incredibly bloodthirsty um, yeah. and, and tragic and sad. I mean, oh. there's a, it's amidst great beauty, though, too, as well, because of course. You know, it's great there's great fortitude. Yes. Um, there's great physical beauty. Obviously, in Russia, there's, um, you know, the songs, the poetry, oh, yeah. the culture, um, the religion plays, plays a role, obviously. Um, so there's so much to it. Look, I'm not, I've never studied Russian history or anything, but there's certainly you know, there's a lot to learn there. There's a lot to learn. And this sort of book, I think, just sort of skims the surface. But it does... I suppose reflect um, you know, the thirty-four years between yes. nineteen twenty-two and nineteen fifty-six, whatever it is, fifty-four. Yep. Um, when the book concludes, so um, it's certainly um, you know, and that, that, that of course, as we all know, was a very like many eras in Russian history, a very dramatic time. Very tumultuous, wasn't it? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. It really was. Yes. It so really the whole was. era of Stalin uh, and, of course, Khrushchev um, Absolutely. after that. Um, and, of course, the book really concludes really effectively right smack bang in the middle of the Cold War. It does. Now, the other character we have to chat about is the gorgeous Nina. Mm. Oh, I loved Nina. So did I. I loved <laughs> Nina. So Nina is this nine-year-old that sort of appears not long after uh, house arrest starts, and he, she is the daughter of um, sort of a senior leader in the Bolshevik Party. So she spends a lot of time in the hotel. And initially she has a governess and she doesn't leave the hotel either. So they get to know each other quite quickly. Now, she's a big chatterbox and, um, and she loves wandering the hotel. And she quickly, um, I think, I think actually what happened was he had a he had a moustache that was cut off, and she noticed the moustache and bailed him up at dinner and said, "Basically, what's going on with your moustache?" And uh, and in many ways, I think she was very powerful. Well, she she set off a whole train of events which we won't discuss, but she was a very very powerful person in helping him open his eyes, absolutely, you know, and, and helping him see the world in a whole completely different way. And had he not met Nina, I don't think his thirty two years in the hotel would have been as rich or as meaningful. Absolutely. As they were. And I think she took him on adventures. She, sure she was very did. precocious. She showed him how to be adventurous. Um, absolutely. And I think um I think he he delighted, I think, in in uh, if you like educating her or further oh, he edu- furthering her education. Absolutely. Um, which was lovely. But I think she actually taught him far more. Oh, indeed um, it was. And I think it was lovely. It was uneven exchange in it many was. ways. And uh, I think the adventures that they oh, went on. It reminds yeah. me of something my grandmother used to tell me um, years ago, you know, you don't just say you're going for a walk, you say you're going on an adventure. Oh, Kate, I love that. Isn't that gorgeous? I'm going I'm to use that. Yeah. I hope you don't mind. I love that. <laughs> and I just thought, and it, it reminded me of that. Yes. I thought to myself, you know, you could just go for a walk, but you, you can make it an adventure. Yes, and she and did that. It was she who made it the adventure. She and certainly did. And then you did. have these really funny scenes of this quite tall, um, middle-aged man who, who was probably much younger than we are. Yeah. 
Exactly, but, but he's still described as middle-aged, which exactly, I thought was which hilarious. Was yeah. <laughs> but, you know, he was sort of saying how stiff and sore he yeah. was because he was kneeling over he's and bending over. He's Exactly. You know, get a grip. <laughs> but there was lovely sort of reflections of him, you know, um, the two of them on a balcony together peering over and spying on the I know, the on the Bolshevik, and a, lot of, a lot of Bolshevik political meetings, which Absolutely. I thought was hilarious. And, uh, you know, splitting his pants. I know. Time he's, <laughs> because, you know. And, and then, of course, that leads us, of course, to his friendships with the other Staff members, oh. I suppose, in the hotel, including uh, Marina, the, um, yes, seamstress, the seamstress, who he got to, to know frequent. because his pants kept splitting. Indeed, um, <laughs> absolutely. And you know, the other, the, the friendship I love the most was with Andre and Emile. I agree. The triumvirate. I love it. And so, what happens? And I think we can give this away. I don't think this is a spoiler. Um, after a period of time, he actually becomes. He actually starts working for the hotel. Hmm. Yeah, I man. We might just keep it a bit general. Just just leave it there. So the three of them. So Andre is the maitre d, and Emile is the head chef. Yes. And so the three of them would have daily meetings. And between the three of them, they would make sure that restaurant, that Boyas or Boyaraski, 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 yeah, I think so. I think so. Yeah, I think that sounds pretty good. Um, <laughs> just ran just in, in the most pristine possible fashion. Um, and uh, one of my favourite scenes was when they three of them spend. Uh, I want to say weeks, but in real reality, it's probably months trying to make the bouillabaisse. Yes. Oh, and it's where superb. they had. To, oh, wasn't it superb? And the twelve or fourteen ingredients yes. they had to source from everywhere, and it was all very exciting. And oh. this is beautifully written, though. It actually it created a sense of suspense because it you're did. thinking to yourself, "I wonder what they're doing." Like, I know. It was quite intriguing how they sourced all the ingredients and they took their time and had the fresh fruit and the um, absinthe. Yes, 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 absolutely, and the and saffron. Yes. And they had mussels and then all of a sudden mussels arrived that day so that was, it was, it was all possible and all, all able to happen. But, you know, Kate, and this probably shows my um, ineptitude, I actually thought that was a South African dish. Oh, no, no, no. I always knew it to be a, a, a European. French, or this Europe, is yeah. Marseille, actually. I always knew, knew it to be a... I actually thought it was probably more... No, it's French. French or Spanish, but, yeah, French. Okay, there you go. Um, I always thought it was South dish. African. There you go. No, I don't... Yeah. No, I'm obviously, I'm obviously wrong. I do. I just... I do. It's a seafood stew. Yeah, yeah exactly right. It's tomato base and obviously, obviously saffron. I yeah. didn't quite know about the absinthe. Yes. <laughs> Maybe I you drink it that. with it or it goes in the soup. I I'm thought sure. it went... I don't know. I don't know. I need to do a bit of a deep dive on that. Um, so that was beautiful. And then the only other character that I would love to mention is the um, Anna Urbanova. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, the, the actress. actress. <laughs> And I loved the scene and you just have to, when you start to read this book, just keep reading because the scene where she arrives at the hotel, oh, it's yes. just gold with, with her dogs. <laughs> oh, and it's written with such humour and, 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 and the rhythm at which the dialogue is is, is delivered is just, it's it's just A1, isn't it? It you is. Know? It really and, uh, is. And she's quite the... Um, Prima donna. Oh, she is. She's quite she's high maintenance. She's quite the prima donna. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, her life also evolves. Absolutely, it um, does. And, you know, she and the Count have a very special friendship. Very um, special friendship. And it's lovely. Fact, it is really, yeah, really nice, actually. They grow into each other, I think. I think they it's do. actually quite beautiful. It is. It's, it's actually it's, quite it's a, beautiful. It's a very... Um, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a lovely story between it's the two of them. It's a gorgeous story between them, actually. Something, Kate, which I think we both noticed, was that all the chapters start with the letter A. They do. Which is actually really intriguing. Yes. Yeah. So why do you think that is? Well, apparently, um, and to your point, I think there are many different theories as to why. I believe um, when asked this, the author had basically said that because uh, his own name starts with A and Alexander's name starts with A, he just thought, well, why not? Ah. Um, so I think he must have just started with that and then, of course, it became a, a thing. A, a thing. Hmm. However, he did... Um, Spend a, thing, a good twelve months, I believe, sort of structuring the book. He, he was mm. he was very maybe this is his uh, merchant banking background and his background in finance, but he certainly, I believe, um, uh, 
spent a lot of time completing the scaffold and the structure of the book before he started writing. Yes. Um, which yes. is actually quite interesting. And I think one thing, and I don't know if you'd noticed this, but I thought this was absolutely fascinating when I read it. Um, uh, the chapter is advanced by a doubling principle. One week after arrest, two weeks after, five days, ten days, three weeks, six weeks, three months, six months, one year, two years, four years, eight years, and 16 years after mm. arrest. And at the midpoint, a halving principle is initiated with the narrative leaping to eight years until the end of the book. Uh, four years, two years, one year, six months, three months, six weeks, three weeks, ten days, five days, two days, one day, and then the final I know. chapter. It's very so, clever, Kate. Very clever. It's very clever. Very clever. Very clever. And clever. I quite enjoyed reading that. I, I read that after I'd read the book yep. and I thought to myself, that's how he did, how yes. he did it. Yes. He structured it really well. He structured it really well with a lot of thought. And I think that one of the reasons why he may have thought about that and it make, also made me go on a bit of a deep dive with how I think about time is that, you know, there are so many events that we remember like in our early adulthood and I can remember them so clearly that they happen on one day and it feels like it took so long. But then there are decades which not that I don't remember them, Kate, but I, you know, it's a couple of key themes and that time seems to have gone so much faster. That's so true. Um, so so interestingly, Kate, so when um, Amor is asked about, you know, what are the major themes of the book, what, what message were you trying to purvey, he says that he certainly hopes that he doesn't purvey just one message because he, he wants to communicate many and he, he basically, and I'm going to read this little quote because I thought it was just, again, so eloquent, he wants to gather together a pile of brightly coloured shards of glass, but rather than assemble those shards into a mosaic with a fixed image, I want to drop them into the bottom of the kaleidoscope where, thanks to a glint of sunlight and the interplay of mirrors, they render an intricate beauty which the reader can reconfigure by the slightest turn of the wrist. He's certainly, he's just, he's got the most incredible way with words. Absolutely. Absolutely. I can just read that five times, no, but I, I won't bore everyone. But um, so, so but the, the thing is, Kate, I mean, when I was reading it, there, there were so many different things that resonated with me. And I think the first, the first thing, which is just so relevant for our COVID pandemic life is, is happens at the start of the book. And uh, it's this wonderful quote. And, and this is how it goes. And when the Count's parents succumbed to cholera within hours of each other in 1900, it was the Grand Duke who took the young Count aside and explained that he must be strong for his sister's sake, who was Helen, that adversity presents itself in many forms and that if a man does not master his circumstances, then he is bound to be mastered by them. I mean, could you have written any more relevant words Precise, for us precisely. in August 2020? Precisely. And that is the one key message of the book. That, that, that was That's my biggest takeaway. Same, Kate. 100%. Absolutely. And I really, really, really resonated. And in 2020... Oh, my goodness. I know. It's actually quite fortuitous. He wrote this four years ago. I agree. <laughs> I totally agree. But it, it's a really fabulous maxim because I think um, it, it talks to the, you know, the complete, complete devastation and, and futile situation he's in. Of yes. Being locked in a room. Being of course. Being branded a former person for the rest of his living days. Absolutely. Uh, even though... Uh, he is, of course, in, in relative luxury. Yes. Um, and, of course, later in the book he does refer to himself as being the luckiest man oh, in Russia. And, Kate, let's talk about that as well. Yes. The lens, again, the optimist. Yes, eternal. Yeah. Eternal optimist. Yes, exactly. Absolutely. And I think the, the two things exactly right. I think the the Count um, restricted himself to two succinct pieces of, of advice, and the first one is about mastering of your own circumstances, and the second was Montaigne's maxim that the surest sign of wisdom is is constant cheerfulness. Oh, I love that, Kate. <laughs> 
I actually had to get the green highlighter out and highlighter out, highlight that bit in my book. I just thought that was just wonderful. It's just great. Isn't I discussed it? that last night with my boys over dinner. I just thought it was fabulous. Yeah, that's yeah. right. So a sense of optimism, and let's face it, your circumstances were fairly dire. Mm. Um, all things considered, although mm. not as dire as, no, as, as others. No, as others, exactly right, <laughs> um, exactly right. But I think... Um, but there was no end in sight. And it was such a change for him from the life, this wonderful arist- aristocratic life that he'd had previously. Absolutely. And he comes into it with such a dignity and with such a grace. And that's what I feel like we need to take away from that because, I mean, look, beauty of the situation we are in now with COVID is there will be an end in sight at some stage. Absolutely. We don't know when that's going to be. It may be 2022. Let's fingers crossed it's 2021. But there will be an end in sight at some stage. The count had no end really yes. to this to this this house arrest life that he had been assigned to. But yet that didn't worry him. No, no, no. It didn't one part. But I think he, oh, yes, he overcame Kate, that. That's, he overcame Kate, that. That's, that's worth but mentioning. Think, but I think certainly one of the reviews I read was just talking about. Um, you know, our, in our allegedly classless society, we seem to have retained only what's deplorable about the aristocracy, mm. the oppression, the snobbery and the racism, and thrown out those qualities which were worth retaining, which makes the gentleman of Moscow an endearing reminder of the graciousness yes. of real class. It has nothing to do with money. It's predicated on the kind of moral discipline that never goes out of style. Yes. And if you look at how he structured his days. I agree. You know, he he, he had purpose every yeah. day. He had a routine, didn't he? he what he ate for breakfast, what he did, the stretches, the, <laughs> the lunges, whatever they were. It was just quite incredible. And he got up out of bed every morning, got dressed, dressed. presented himself to the world, uh, went downstairs to, yep. to, to dine. Yes, and to um, read the newspaper in the certain chair, everything. That's right. And, and that I, is, to me, one of the things we can, we can, we can learn from this. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. I think that was, you know, the, the beauty of routine, the beauty of having a positive lens. Um, and, and also... Also, the other thing I think as well is filling your life with beautiful things and they don't have to be expensive and they can all be accessed from home. And I'm talking about music Hmm. and I'm talking about literature and Hmm. I'm talking about beautiful food. All those things are easily accessible while we are all still, even even if we're not locked up, but trying to stay home. I mean, that was something else which he took such joy out of, wasn't it? Absolutely. And even um, things like, for example, the food and the fragrances and the smells of the food would take him back to his his, um, country home or the Dasha at... uh, Novogrod, Novogrod, It's after um, the red wine, but also with the, um, you know, with the, with the, even tasting honey. Yes, and the oh. senses there with you know with the apple blooms from and his the hometown. lilac or the cherry blossom. Absolutely, and, yes. and, and of course with the bully bays, you know, yes. taking him back to his time in Marseille. Indeed. So I think that the overpowering of the olfactory senses with food, with wine. Yeah. Um, Look, it, it all sounds so silly when you, when you talk about it, but in the book it's just beautifully crafted and reflective. Beautifully and crafted. It is just, it's just a beautiful book to take. And I, look, I'm as guilty as anyone of rushing through life um, and, uh, you know, we're both working women and we both, you know, have very little time, I think, sometimes for the Indeed. fun to enjoy some of these smaller moments. And I think the book was just is a gift really. I really yeah. thought it was a gift because it made you sit down and take time to reflect. It's a it's not an easy read. It's 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 um it's a reasonably slow read and that's it is a good a slow thing read because I read like yourself very mm. quickly. Um, but it actually forces you to re- it demands to be read. It slowly. demands a, it absolutely it demands a certain level of respect. This book I agree. Yeah, it and really I think does. and it's lovely and and how decadent to be able to take your time. I know over such a book which is I agree so enjoyable. Um, and just the language, it reminded me in many ways, actually, the language in it um, in terms of the craft was um, not dissimilar to Book Thief, that's what I'm thinking of. Oh, the Book Thief. Okay, I, I never finished that. Oh, really? Oh, just in terms of the language, the craft, mm. um, the use of language. You know, the yes. Book Thief is you know probably a book for younger readers. Yeah. Um, but it was beautifully crafted. Yeah. Um, and the use of language was just beautiful. And yeah. this book just reminds me of that. It's just a really 
beautifully constructed read. Um, it's just, it's, it's like, I don't know, it, it, as I said, it feels decadent. Mm. Um, it feels, um, it's also, look, it's, it is historical fiction. It is historical that, that, fiction, make... but not too heavy that it will overwhelm the story because sometimes no. I think historical fiction can be very heavy. Mm. This was just, was almost like with a light touch. I really mm. felt like it mm. was. I really mm. felt like it was. But the other thing I thought, Kate, that I took from it, and maybe it was because of my experience reading it, I found, as I've said many times, the first 200 pages was a hard slog. And then I kept thinking, is that because, you know, I'm rushing through life and I, I, I'm, I need to slow down and maybe I need to put a different lens on. So as I'm reading it, I'm thinking, maybe there's a message here on a deep level. But then there is this quote that happens later in the book, actually closer to the end of the book, that, um, and this is it, it's for his part, the counters opted for the life of the purposefully unrushed. Yes. Oh, I loved it. And I thought, yes, go. Hashtag absolutely. life goals. Oh, my gosh. I yearn to have a life that is purposefully unrushed. That's like one of my life goals is to be serene. Oh, Kate. And to be purposefully unrushed. How oh, decadent. Wonderful. I yearn and dream and I'm super jealous, to be honest, if of anyone that can live like that. If I won lotto, it would be yeah. lovely. But, uh, yeah. I do keep buying tickets, actually. So, so far, nothing. So far, nothing. So far, nothing. I agree. The purposefully unrushed. I think, to me, that's just something to aspire to. Indeed. How lovely. Oh, wonderful. Maybe one day when you're retired. Mm. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I get bored. I'm not sure. We'll be too old and decrepit by then. Yeah, (laughs) I know. Exactly right. But look, I just think it was absolutely beautiful. Um, Now, Kate, and we're not going to know spoilers again, but did you like the ending? I did. I did. I found it. um, Was it a little rushed? Yes, did you want? Did you want a little more? I did. I did want that part of it to go on for a few more pages. I feel. I agree. Number five. Yeah, exactly. I did feel um, because I got to the chapter, the end of the chapter before, and I turned. I thought to myself. I hope that wasn't the ending. <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, thankful it yes. wasn't the ending. Yeah, I know good. exactly what you mean. There yes. was a little extra bit. But which the last helped. chapter was quite short, and I thought to myself, and it does leave it leaves the reader on a on a note of um, sort of uncertainty. But there was a certain uh, curiosity as to one of the uh, characters. Indeed, there, um, which is fairly easily answered if you think about it. Um, Completely. <laughs> however. Um, Yes, look, I think I think there was an awful lot that happened in the last few chapters. I agree. That probably, given the pace of the book up until that point, um, probably could have loaned itself to a slightly longer, yeah. more comprehensive, if you like, ending. However, I suppose because of his maximum of halving the time, Indeed. it probably did seem a bit rushed because like the very beginning of the book, um, you know, it's day one, day two, day, day five, whatever. So, um, yeah, again... Yes, I, I agree. I think if, if I was writing it myself, I think I would have liked to have maybe just had an extra few pages just to flesh it out a bit more. Yeah, I, I just want so. a little bit. I just wanted slightly more resolution. It's interesting. We read. I read a book earlier, and I'm, I'm just looking at my pile here. No, I don't have it. The Stationery Book of Tehran, which was a fabulous book. Mm-hmm. And I read it with the gorgeous Edwina, who I know you know. And when we came to the end of Oh, I heard your book, review of that. Yes. Yes. Every single piece of the story was completely explained. In fact, sometimes three times. This was my only criticism of the book, actually. It was a beautiful book. But she went out of her way to explain everything to us in such incredible detail that I felt like it was, it was almost, as Edwina said, it was tied up with a bow. And yes. I, I do like a few questions left. I do like a little bit of an opportunity to, to wonder and to be a little curious. And I think this book provides that. It does. Because I think at the end you sort of think, you can, I think, accept where everybody ends up absolutely um but it does leave questions yes um and then of course too don't forget it did end in the mid 1950s yeah um so you know whether or not the count would have been uh, alive mm-hmm. uh, in perestroika indeed he would have been a very very old man by then he i'm guessing would have. 
So, um, yeah. Interesting. Just Very be, interesting. It would be interesting to see, you know, what happened. Yeah. Post the book. Absolutely, um, absolutely. But he did say there wouldn't be a wouldn't be a. I know. Which a I, was, I just love the idea of a sequel. To be honest, I, know. I just always want more. I don't I know agree. what that's about. But but anyway, he's such a great character. He's a great character. He's I just, adored him. He's just a great character. I just loved um, his his mannerisms, his um, his wit, his wisdom, his wisdom. Um, his dignity, his grace. Yes. His, his, and he, in many ways he reminds me of my grandfathers. Yeah. You know, who would probably be now 95, 100. And I had one grandfather in particular who was, you know, towards the end of his life, he had such incredible pain, he had arthritis, and you know, as they all do, as you get older, you collect issues. But he had he had his fair share. And he would never whinge. And every time you asked how he was, he was terrific. He was fabulous and was always inquiring about myself. And he was the quintessential gentleman. And I suppose, for me, it very much took me back to both. Both my grandfathers were like that, but one in particular, Charles. Um, he was a beautiful man. And, um, you know, and I'm not suggesting that, you know, the concept of a gentleman is has gone out of fashion, but it just made me appreciate it so much more. Well, how many people do we know in our lives who are purposefully unrushed? I don't know anyone, Kate. <laughs> That's right. How nice. I know, I know, I know. Absolutely, absolutely. So, Kate, would we recommend this book? Highly. Yeah, same. 100%. But you've got to, you've got to stick with it, people. Look, and I think give yourself time. Yes. Give yourself time. You know, um, it's, a, it's a really nice probably on a rainy Sunday afternoon mm. or a Saturday afternoon. Um, it's a nice bit of cake. Oh, look, I think that'd be cake, fabulous, cake actually. Cake and a cup of tea yes. and an hour later, the red wine and cheese. Yes. Um, I think. That would help. I think so. Mm. And I think, um, you know, over a few a few weekends, you know, sure. just, just enjoy it. Um, I think from memory I took it on holiday with me, actually. Right. And, uh, Great and holiday read, actually. It is a really good, it except it was good. an active holiday, so I probably didn't oh, get okay, to read right. as much as I wanted to. Okay. Um, if you're lying by the, on the beach, which let's face it, at the moment none of us really no, are because we not. can't go anywhere. No. Um, one day uh, when we do get to travel again, uh, you know, if, if you are ever having a lovely holiday where you can relax by a pool for, for a week, mm. It's definitely a good read. To, because it's to also the sort of book that I think, and some books you can pick up and, and put down and there's no problem, but it's the sort of book I really felt like, I mean, I read it over two days or a day really, uh, that it benefited me reading it um, in a short period of time because there was a lot of history that I needed to make sure I was up to date with and I needed to make sure my flow of thought was continuous. Mm. You know, some books you can't dip in and dip out of. Oh, I don't know. I just, I, I think, I, I think it is a good book oh, to dip in out of okay. because, because it's quite rich and there's okay. a lot there okay. um, personally. But um, look, I think it's just... It, it is just a delight. It's a, it's a beautiful, um, it, it, it's a weighty tome. And the last question, Kate, I have. Now, you may remember, Kate, that uh, another lovely friend of, of ours came on this. And, uh, in fact, the lovely Lou Talbot, I did the Wear the Crawdads. Oh, with I love Lou. that book. Yep. And very similar again to this, I felt, in fact, it was very heavy, top-heavy description. But when you pushed through, incredible oh, book. Fabulous book. Oh, my gosh. Like an absolute and I did top not, two or three for the year. I did not want that book to end. No, I agree. Mm. I totally I agree. I could have kept reading. I agree. I really get devastated when you read a great book and you go, but where's the I rest know. of it? I totally agree. I totally agree. <laughs> and it's interesting, just on that book, initially the descriptions, I thought, oh, my goodness, come on, do I need to read another page of it? But after about 50, 60 pages in... I loved it. Oh, no, I, I think I was hooked. slow down. I was hooked probably from about chapter two, I think. Oh, well, I see, really I loved it. I wasn't. It really, took me some time. really loved it. In okay. fact, even so much, I even Googled um, I, I, at night time. I'm on my iPad most nights. I'm just watching TV. And yeah, yeah. thoughts come to my head. And yes. I think to myself, okay, where's that? And I actually Googled where is it? I mean, I knew where it was set on the coast of North Carolina, yep. I think it was. Um, but I went to Google Earth. 
and tried to find it. Unfortunately, however, it's actually fictional. The from Google, the marshlands. Google, the swamps and the yeah. marshlands. And, you see, and what, how she's written it, you can really see where this would have been set. It was perfect. Oh, I agree. Such I totally a great agree. Thing. And the I same totally thing with agree. this book too. I've, I've actually Googled, you know, Google Earth with Moscow. I, I, I did the so same thing. Everything. I did and the also same Novosky, Nora Good with yeah. his um, holiday home. And things like that. And so, the hotel, I've done deep dives into the yeah, hotel, into the and, rooms. And I think, isn't that wonderful that reading, and my dad always says this to me too, reading takes you, it, that's a cat. That's my cat. <laughs> so he's, he's hungry. Do you know what he wants, Kate? He wants the succulent cheese food from Audi. My cats will only have the succulent cheese food from freaking Audi. You're spoiling your Yeah, cats. I know, I know, I know. And he wants some more succulent cheese. I apologise. He just has to wait. Um, but as my dad always used to say, um, you know, a, a simple book, you can close your eyes. It, it, a book takes you anywhere around the world. Yep. You don't need to necessarily travel to no. enjoy the world from a, from a book. Exactly. And it teaches you so much about the world. Absolutely. And this book, as do many others, they take you to a time and place to which you may have never been, mm-hmm. and I certainly haven't been to North Carolina or no, to or Moscow. To Moscow. Um, yet. Um, yet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, although I have to say, yeah, I'm not too no. sure if I really want to support Putin. But anyway. That's yeah, that's <laughs> but he's got a vaccine, Kate. <laughs> Although as Annabelle Krabs, Annabelle Krabs said, though, it's going to be delivered to you by the tip of an umbrella. <laughs> but he's given it to his daughter, but the least favourite daughter. So it's all good. It's all good, people. Don't worry. It's all good. We can all relax. But, for example, I'm looking here at your list of books here. For example, one of my favourite books is The Dry. Oh, what a book that is. Oh, my God. What have a you read book. the second one, The Lost Man? I have, and I enjoyed that too. I haven't read that yet. But I have to say, in fact, both of them I enjoyed. And growing up, in the far course, northwest so of New South Wales, like on a on a very you know um, northwest great wide open spaces plains of northwest New South Wales, um, and having lived through drought myself, I can't tell you how much I related to those yes. books. Both of those books actually, the setting in both of those books, yeah. I thought to myself was incredible. She did a beautiful job. She, she absolutely did, a did. Job. and I thought to myself, yeah, I, I, I related mm. very much because that was absolutely. obviously my, my, my sort of background. Uh, and yet, however, you know, you can read books like Educated by Tara Westover, which is, again, a fantastic. And look, none of us have been to the outbacks no. of where is she? Yeah, Bumfuck Idaho yeah. or somewhere where yeah. she grew up. But what a fabulous book. You know, and it takes you, book. It takes you to the time and place. To, absolutely. Exactly right. and, think, and at the moment when we are all yearning to be taken out of our, our living rooms and our, and our houses, there's no better time to read. Absolutely. I think that is the message. Absolutely. And, and this beautiful book, A Gentle in Moscow, will do that. It will transport you. Absolutely. So highly recommend. Highly recommend. So thank you, my lovely friend. Oh, absolute pleasure. This was just such fun and so much better fun with wine. <laughs> Yes, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> and thank you everybody for listening and I, I hope you have enjoyed that because it was it was just such a truly beautiful book. In two weeks' time, people, we are going to be reading a book by an Aussie journalist called Shannon Malloy. Have you heard of him, Kate? No. He writes for The Australian, actually, with uh, the wonderful, gorgeous Trent Dalton. Oh, yes, what? Hello. Hello. <laughs> I think we all have a little crush on Trent, let's be honest. But um, anyway, called 14, which is actually um, a biographical book. Oh, wow. Autobiographical book, rather, on his on his journey through adulthood and um, his, his coming out. And um, just a beautiful book. It looks so powerful, and I actually can't wait to, to talk um, talk about that book actually with with everybody. So that's two weeks time on the fourth of September. So uh, yes, um, and I know you can order it on all the normal places: Amazon, Good, Amazon Booktopia, you name it. And um, that'll be really good. But thank you everybody for today, and um, I hope you all stay well and entertained, and keep reading, people, because that's what we need to do. Absolutely. How we're going to get through this? Absolutely. Lots of love and thanks again, beautiful. A big apology to those beautiful people who actually sent me through a lot of 
tidbits and thoughts on the book. I think the red wine really affected uh, me whilst I was uh, recording the podcast and I completely forgot. I am so sorry to turn the page and actually read everyone's insights out. So I'm going to do it now, but please know that your thoughts were so appreciated and please keep them coming because it makes all the difference. So uh, a big shout out to the lovely Sarah Wainwright from Parenting Tips who says that, first of all, she's loving the book picks. Thank you, Sarah. Um, But she said this book was a stunning journey to Russia with the Count and his loves and losses. It was beautifully written, character driven, fresh and fascinating. And it was very well received by her Warrawee book club. Thank you, Sarah. Kel's bookshelf, loved it. What a gracious man. So well said, Kel. So well said. Um, Author Susie Zale said it was a beautiful book, which is absolutely a holy one, Susie. It totally was. Lily Ford Jam, one of my favourite books. We did this for our book club recently and everyone enjoyed it. I can see why, Lily. Um, Kerri-Ann1608, another great choice. Thank you, Kerri-Ann. I take no credit for this choice. My lovely friend Kate Walker actually uh, was the one that came up with this idea. Um, Interestingly, um, Caden1112 said, I started reading the book, but the whole ISO in the real world and the trapped man in the book wasn't helping escape real life. It's in the TBR, which is the to be read pile. And I get that too, because Count Rostov is actually trapped in the Hotel Metropole for 32 years. So I get why you would have felt a little bit like that. Definitely. Um, Ness JW, I just saw this at the store and contemplated getting it. Master grab it next time. Michelle Djokovic, another brilliant book. Thank you. And the gorgeous Susie Bruce, all the way from Canada. Hello, darling. Susie is listening to it at the moment and she thinks it's a lovely, gentle read. And I think that's so true, Suze, particularly the first part, gorgeous. Uh, Melissa Gautza is also listening to it on an audiobook. And um, yes, I, I, I look forward to her uh, feedback when she's done. And um, Catherine McCracken says it's a lovely book that celebrates the simple pleasures of life that sustains us. So well said, Catherine. In fact, that's probably one of the biggest takeaways from the book. So a big thank you to everybody for taking the time to send me a little message because it just makes it so much richer when we all share our um, our thoughts. And the other thing I just need to say is that if you read this book or you're thinking about reading it and it's just made you think, oh, I really want to get a better understanding of Russia or simply just do a little bit uh, more transportation to a different time and place, then I just have to recommend a TV show on Stan called The Great. It is absolutely hilarious. It is upbeat. It is not particularly accurate historically, but gosh, it's a fabulous um, series. It's uh, actually written and directed by an Aussie director called Tony McNamara, and you will notice a couple of Aussie faces in it, but it is hilarious. It's based on Catherine the Great and her marriage to Peter, and um, and it's all the associated frivolities and uh, storyline that goes with that. It is hilarious. Totally recommend, and it's another great way of taking a bit of a deep dive into Russia while you were at home on the couch and uh, and entertaining ourselves at the same time. So I hope you enjoy that. Have a great week, lots of love, and I will see you soon. Bye.